We are in this series called Thy Kingdom Come, and I want us to direct our attention to Matthew chapter 6. If you want to go there with me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, which is a very, very familiar uh, prayer that we all know, the Lord's Prayer. I probably don't even need to put it on the screen. All of us have probably recited it since we were very young. You've memorized this. You've said it over and over and over and over again. But I want to just say it just one more time. We're just going to say part of it, just the very beginning. And everybody repeat this with me. Everybody say this. Say, Our Father, which art in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Yeah, this is something we all know. We've recited this so many times our Father, reminding us that our relationship with God is, is, is that. It's a relationship. But, but this whole part of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the, the premise of this series, thy kingdom come. What do we mean when we say thy kingdom come? We're, first off, most of us don't say thy. <laughs> but what, what do we mean when we say your kingdom come or thy kingdom come? So we titled this series, Thy Kingdom Come. Because this is actually all throughout the Bible is talking about the kingdom. And if you were here for Pastor Bubba's message, I'll give you just the kind of the short end of it, a review of it is that, that God is here. He is a king and he's a kingdom. We live in America, which is not ran by a king or a kingdom. It's democratic. People vote things. We're about to go through a voting process. But when there's a kingdom, there's a king. And uh, in, in heaven, there's a king and there's a kingdom, and he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And God has established us from Genesis for us to be uh, kings along with him and rule. You go back and watch and listen to that whole message, but you talk about the kingdom. We're going to spend a, a, probably a number of weeks talking about what does it mean to be kingdom people. But if you're taking notes, I want, to, I want you to write something down, uh, which, by the way, we have these notes on our app. If you go to OSC Connect. Um, the app, you can download these notes. But if you want to write these down, I want you to write this thought down. Here's the thought, ready? Our life is the sum total of the decisions we make every day. Our life is the sum total of the decisions that we make every day. Every single day, you and I are making decisions. You made hundreds of decisions probably today. I mean, this morning, uh, I woke up, confession's good for the soul. I'll just tell you, I made a decision to hit snooze. Anybody in here hit snooze? Yeah, this is 11 o'clock. Y'all all hit snooze. What you talking about? <laughs> and I didn't hit snooze once. I hit snooze three times. Um, it was just one of those days. Uh, we've had a long weekend. It's been a long week. Uh, it's my son's birthday this week. And so he's had all of his friends over at our house. And so when you got a bunch of boys at the house, I mean, no, it's craziness. Uh, and so it's been, it's been craziness at our house. So I, I woke up this morning, made the decision, just hit snooze for a little bit of hawking snooze, snooze. It finally woke up, read my Bible for a little bit, prayed a little bit, got up, brushed my teeth. You're welcome. Um, I ironed my clothes. You're welcome. Uh, people go, go, does it Lindsay iron? No, she cleans. She tells me I clean your clothes. You iron them. So I ironed my clothes. Is that not true, babe? That is absolutely true. She's nodding her head yes. So I ironed my own clothes. So I ironed my clothes. Uh, I got up, made sure Josiah was good. Josiah was eating. Uh, Josiah comes to church with me. We drove here to church, hung out, talked to some people, made sure things were ready. And here we are, two services in. Every morning I make decisions and you make decisions. We all make decisions. All throughout the day we make decisions. And you need to understand that those decisions add up. Even though they're small decisions, over the course of time, those decisions add up and they become the sum total of your life. Your life is just literally just a bunch of decisions that you make over and over and over and over again. 
which leads to the second part of this. And this is, if you want to write this down, is that our decisions are determined by our priorities. So how do we make the decisions and what decisions we make, whether we say yes or no or whatever the, that decision will be, will be determined by the priorities that we set in our life. So I just wrote down kind of just a working definition of priority. Priority is putting first things first. It's establishing the most important thing. It's placing the highest value and worth. So you look at things in your life and everything that's in your life, you've put in a priority in some way. Maybe it's low in the priority. Maybe it's high in the priority. It's all based off of what the worth that you put on it, the significance you put on it. Is it the first thing? Is it the last thing? There are some things on your schedule. I mean, no, they should be high priority, but you got them as low. Anybody procrastinators? Okay, yeah, yeah. They should be high, but they're low. And there are things that are low that you put high, right? <clears throat> Husband's got a to-do list. It's high on your wife's priority. It's low on your priority. But if you like sleeping in the bed, it becomes a higher priority. Very quick. Okay, so there's things that, that jump up in priorities uh, based off of the value that you put on them. And identifying the right priorities is so important because successful life, flourishing life, fulfilling life, peaceful life, all comes back to if you have the right priorities in the right place. So I'm, I'm, just stay with me. I'm going somewhere here because we all make decisions every single day. Those decisions are based off of what our priorities are. We've got to make sure that we understand what the priorities are. And I'm going to read you a passage of scripture. Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. We've got to identify what our priorities are. It tells this. This is what David, David prayed this prayer. He said, teach us to number our days and to recognize how what? How few. How, how few these days are. Watch this. Help us. Everybody help me with this. To Help us to spend our days as we should. Notice he uses the word spend these days as we should, meaning that your time is spent. You spend your time. You invest your time. It's not something you get back. It's something that you spend. So here we go, number three. So let me, let me walk through it again. Our life sum total, the decisions we make every day. Our decisions are determined by our priorities. And number three is the greatest mistake in life is to be busy, but not effective. To be busy, but not effective. How many know every time you go around, you go to Walmart, you see somebody you haven't seen in a while, and you're like, man, how you doing? And usually they'll say, good or busy. Oh, just busy. Just busy. Man, we're, we live in a very busy society, very busy time. Everybody's busy doing things. Now, you got to make sure, though, that if you're busy, you're busy doing the right things, not busy doing the wrong things. If you want to be effective, you got to be doing the right things. Francis Chan, who's a <clears throat> very influential pastor and writer, wrote it this way. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. There are people in life that are succeeding in life, but they're not succeeding in things that actually matter. They're succeeding in things that don't even matter. What he's saying is that one day there's going to be a time where we, where we die and we get to heaven and God will go, what did you do with my son? And we say, well, I believed in him. What did you do with all the things that I gave you? And we're going to show him and he's going to go, but that doesn't matter to me. That's not what I wanted you to do. What I wanted you to do was, was this. 
So Lindsay and I were in, were in Colorado. So we flew to Colorado right after eight days left. I told her we're gonna just get away. Every year we, I try to plan a trip for my boys and then I try to pl- tra- plan a trip for me and Lindsay. And so we, we got away to Colorado. We flew into Colorado and we'd spent all day driving, drove to Houston, flew there, got there and we're like, what are we gonna eat? So we went to a, a, a restaurant that we absolutely love. It's a pizza place in Golden, Colorado. 45 minutes from the airport, get there, drive there, wait in line, have pizza, all that, okay? Now it's late, it's later in the night, and I'm like, man, I'm just exhausted. We need to go back to the hotel. So I punch in the directions to the hotel. Um, I love my wife with all that she is, but she is a terrible co-pilot, and uh, and she will tell you. So I'm not saying anything she wouldn't tell you. Like, Waze is way better, and so... (laughs) So I just punched in the address of where we're gonna go and, and it's in downtown Denver and Golden, which is about 40 minutes outside of Denver. And so we're, you know, the hotel is in downtown Denver. And so I punch in the address and so we're off. And then she's like, oh, we need to go to Target. <laughs> now that is like the words no husband wants to hear, especially when you're exhausted. Um, we need to go to Target. She's like, I've been telling you, I need to get water and I need to get some stuff for breakfast and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, fine. So yet again, she's not the, she's, she's not a co-pilot. So I'm driving to the hotel and I'm like, man, I, let's just find, so I pull up ways and I'm like, you know, type in Target. Siri, help me find Target. There's like 72 Targets in Denver. Maybe a little exaggeration, but there's a lot. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm driving and trying to find the right place and trying to find one that's close to hotel. And, and I, I find one and I click it and you know, okay, so now we're detouring towards Target. So we're off and we're just driving and talking and all this stuff. And you know, we're driving and we're driving, and we're driving and more driving. 40 minutes later, I thought we were coming to the Target that was right beside the hotel. I pull up the map, I'm like, where are we? We pull off to the exit. We're 45 minutes now from the hotel. I ended up choosing a, hot, uh, a target that was on the other side of the, the whole county. So now I'm upset. And now I'm mad, I'm frustrated. And we're, we're like two minutes from this target. And I'm like, there was one right beside the hotel. And so instead of just pulling off to that target, I'm like, you know what? We're gonna go to the one by the hotel. So I punch it in, we're now re- redirecting, you know, get back on, drive another 40 minutes to the Target that is now literally two blocks from the hotel. And it's closed! I was so upset. I was not godly, I can just tell you that. It's a lot of repenting that had to go on. I was so frustrated. I was tired. I was exhausted. And here was the deal. I was exhausted and I was tired because here's, I wasted fuel and I wasted time. Those are the two things that I, that I wasted. And here's why I bring this up. Because failure to establish the right priorities you will waste the two greatest commodities God's ever given you, your energy, your fuel, and your time. You will be exhausting all of your energy, all your time, all your money into something that does not last. 
And so God wants us to make sure that we have the right priorities, that we're doing the right thing, that whether it's our time, our energy, how many know you can't get back your energy and you can't get back your time? Y'all ever watch like a TV show or a movie and it's like two hours and at the end of it, you're like, what did I do? That was the worst movie. That was the worst two hours of my life. And you're upset because you wasted something you cannot get back. You can't get back that. All of us in this room have the same 24 hours. All of us in this room have the seven, seven days a week. All of us in this room have that same allotment. All of us have given a set amount of energy and resources that God has given us. And if you don't understand this, time is the currency of life. And what you spend your time on, you become. What you spend your energy on, you become. And the key to effectively using your time, that's what David said. Put that verse back up for me real quick, the, the Psalms one. David was, was praying, God, let me spend it as, as you want me to. I know the days are few. I know my hours are few. I know my time is few. Let me just make sure that whatever I'm putting my time into, whatever I'm gonna put my money into, whatever I'm putting my energy into, make sure that I'm doing it in the right place. There's a story of a guy who was an Olympian and uh, he was in those, um, I don't know what they call them, where they, they do like the little skiing and then they got the, um, they have the gun. I don't, anybody know what that's called? It's like a winter sport. Nobody around here knows because we don't even know what snow is. Um, <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's the sport where they go in and they, they're doing the little skiing, then they have a gun on their back, and then they, after they've skied like miles, they got to come to a target range and they've got to shoot. They got to shoot a shoot target. And so he'd been doing this and he's been winning. He was number one, number one, number one, number one, number one, number one. And he got to this last round where all he had to do was pull up to the target, come right up to it and shoot it. All he had to do was make the target. He didn't even have to hit a bullseye. If he would just make the target, he would be number one. So he, he's, you know, doing all that. He gets up there, pulls up, pulls his scope up, and he shoots, and he hits bullseye. Only problem was he hit bullseye on the wrong target. And he went from first to last. I think there's a lot of people that do the exact same thing in life. All their energy, all their effort, they're winning, but they're shooting at the wrong target. And they're hitting it every time, but they're shooting at the wrong one. Why am I bringing all this up when we're talking about a, a, a series called Thy Kingdom Come? Because in order for you to understand and to discuss the kingdom, we have to understand the right priorities. And I think there are so many people in this world right now that are living their life with the wrong priorities. There is a, a secular psychologist named Abraham Maslow who, who uh, studied people, and that's, that's what he did. And he discovered that all people, that all human behavior, all human action is driven by what he calls the hierarchy of needs. I'm going to show you a little a diagram of this. He's got a, he's got a little pyramid of the, the hierarchy of needs. This is Maslow's hierarchy. This is a secular guy. It's not a follower of Jesus in any regards, but he says that at the base level of every single person, there is the physiological needs that we have to eat, to sleep, water, uh, air. Uh, these things are essential for all of us. 
clothing, all that stuff. Then you have the safety. So to have a home, to have lodging, to have security, to have money, um, all of these things bring safety to us, our, our health, physical health. And then he goes, and then, and then you have the, the need to be loved, the need to belong, the, the need um, to, to be in community with people. Then you go into the need for acceptance, the need for approval, esteem, how we feel esteem. And then, then he ends with what he calls self-actualization, which would be uh, to live for purpose, to have purpose, to have significance in life, that, that your life would matter, that you would do something. And he's got that at the top. But one of the things you're going to notice is that he does it in a certain order because he believes this is the order that every person has to have these needs met in this actual order to eventually arrive to the summit of life where you're living for purpose and living for things that matter. Uh, but if we're all honest, most of us in this room are living our life to try to get these needs met. You go to work every day to get these needs met. You, you do what you do to try to get these needs met, to try to have retirement or to try to make sure that you keep your house or you feed your family. And, and all those things are good. God cares for those things. God wants us to care for those things. The problem that you're going to find out, though, is that, and I don't know if this is going to surprise you or not, but most religions are built around the promise to meet these needs. Every religion that is out there is promised to help you meet these needs. And if you pray enough, go to church enough, love people enough, do good enough, then you have some deity that is going to make sure that these things are taken care of for you. And, and, and so have you ever noticed people don't believe in prayer until they get sick? And pray for me. Well, you, man, you never want to pray. Well, I want you to pray now. Or a hurricane comes. Man, let's pray for my house. Pray and pray that's it. You've never prayed, but all of a sudden we're praying for things. Why? Because these things matter so much to us that the only time that we bring God into it is when these things are in jeopardy. My health's in jeopardy. My house is in jeopardy. My kids are in jeopardy. My, my job is in jeopardy. Man, pray I get this job. Pray I get a job. Pray. And so, so this becomes, watch this, a religion is this. We, we, we go to confession to make sure that we can keep this. God, keep this. Don't take this from me. We, we do religious things to make sure that these things stay, stay good. That's a problem, though, because much of what we call faith is nothing more than us just striving for the very things that are on Maslow's list. But should it surprise us that God's priorities, watch this, God's priorities for us are not man's priorities. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I know I'm coming onto a scene with a bunch of people who are so concerned about this. And so Jesus has a message for him. It's found in Matthew chapter six. You wanna go with me there? Matthew chapter six and verse 25. And watch what Jesus says. Red letters. Jesus says this. Therefore, I tell you, everybody say these three words. Do not worry. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, watch. Don't worry about your, about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna don't worry about what you're going to, and, and, and don't worry about your, your body. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Watch this. Is not this life more than food and the body more than clothes? Ready? Watch this. Jesus is literally contradicting everything Maslow said we should be concerned about. Maslow said you should be concerned about water, about what you eat, about what you wear, about your house, about your body. And Jesus goes, hey, don't worry about that. 
Don't worry about that. What? That's, that's what we should be worried about, right? And he says, no, no, don't worry about that. And now he's going to give them an illustration. He's going to show them what it is. He's going to expose to them what their priorities are versus what God's priorities are for their life. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them and are you not much more valuable than they? Now he's gonna give us another illustration. Verse 27, he says, can any one of them by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes and see how the flowers of the fields grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was the richest, wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus, in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God closes the grass of the field, Watch what he says next, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire. Will he not much more clothe you? And here he tells them, you of little faith. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear for the pagans? Now, other translations would just say unbelievers, those who have not put Jesus as first place in their life. Those who are consumed with everything that's happening in this world. For pagans run after all these things. He's pretty much saying, this is what Maslow says. You should be concerned about all this stuff. They run after all these things. And your father, this is huge here, your heavenly father knows what? Knows that you need them. So he's very aware that you have to pay the bill. He's very aware that you need to provide for your family. He's very aware that you need a job. He's very aware that you need a home. He's very aware of all of those things. He knows that you need them. And now he's going to flip it. Verse 33, though. Now he's going to give them the priorities. But, everybody help me with this. Seek, seek first his kingdom and his And all these things will be, these things will be given to you. All these things. What things are we talking about? Everything we just read from verse 25. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And all these other things that you're so consumed about, so concerned about, so worried about, God will make sure that those things are taken care of. And then he adds a whole nother thing to end it all in verse 34. Like a cherry on the top, he says, therefore, do not worry. How many times did he say that? Three different times. Three times in there. Anybody repeat things to your kids? Guess what Jesus is doing to his kids? <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Of its own. All right, let me give you three thoughts. And we're going to actually unpack this idea of what does it mean to seek first his kingdom and what does it mean to seek first his righteousness through the rest of this whole series. But I'll give us a couple of thoughts today because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what does it mean to seek first his kingdom when it comes to finances? What does it mean to seek first his kingdom when it comes to our marriage? What does it mean to seek first his kingdom when it comes to voting in a couple of weeks? What does it mean to seek first his kingdom in our jobs, in our families, in our parenting? Let me give you some thoughts here. Number one, first thing says, what does kingdom priorities look like? Seek. Write the word seek. He tells us we need to seek First, his kingdom. 
first instructions that Jesus gives us is to seek. This word seek means to pursue. It means to study. It means to explore. It means to understand, to learn, to consider. Anybody in here, before you make a big purchase, you are a researcher? Any researchers in the house? Okay, yeah, okay. Researchers unite. Um, Anybody in here, before you make a big purchase, you just do it because it feels good? Just raise your hand. Be honest. Okay, be honest. Jesus knows. Okay, so does your wife. I mean, your husband. I mean, whoever. Yeah, so... I am a, I'm a researcher by nature. That's just what I love to do. And so anytime I'm about to make a, a big purchase or do, really do anything that's kind of big, especially if it's outside of the arena of things that I know, um, I, I am a researcher. I, I like to seek things out. I like to learn things. I like to study things. I like to find out, is this better versus this one? And, and, and weigh out the pros and cons of it and, and all of those things. I'm, I'm that type of person. Because I'm about to invest my time. I'm about to invest a ton of money. I'm about to invest a bunch of resources into something that I hope would return what I want. So I'm gonna seek it out. Before Lindsay and I got married, when we were dating, you know what I was doing? Seeking. I was seeking. I was on the seeking. I was, I was pursuing. I was studying. I was learning. I was asking questions. Because if I'm putting a ring on it and she's carrying my last name, how many know I want this forever? So I better make sure that what I'm about to get into is something that I can commit to. Are, are y'all with me? Okay. So that is, that's just wise. That's wisdom. And, and, and Jesus tells us, listen, you need to seek his kingdom. You need to understand it. You need to learn about it. You need to consider it. I think the reason why most people don't seek God's kingdom is because they don't know what God's kingdom is. What are we talking about when we say God's kingdom? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to help you over the next number of weeks. Walk through what does it look like to know God's kingdom. But let me just give this big thought, and that is America is a great nation. How many know we live in a great nation? We really do. We are extremely blessed. Extremely, extremely blessed. Um, But America is not the kingdom of God. And though America is great and amazing and we're blessed, um, it is man-made at best. It is man-made at best. And what is unfortunate to me is that there are more people that are passionate about the kingdom of America than they are the kingdom of God. And I just want to let you know, if you don't know this already, like when Jesus comes back, he's not going to be the king of America. (laughs) I'm just letting you know, okay? Like he will be the king of the world um, over all nations, over all people. And so it's, we're going to talk a, lo- a lot more about this when we get into kingdom government and kingdom voting in the weeks to come. And uh, I just want to let Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. Um, he's not, come on, he's a king and a kingdom. Are y'all with me today? He, he rules and reigns. He's got his own. He, you choose his side or somebody else's, okay? So we'll, we'll get a lot more. I don't want to get there, okay? I'm going to just tease that up for a moment. But Jeremiah 29, verse 13 so we know Jeremiah 29, 11, for God knows the plans I have for you to prosper you, plans of peace, not to harm you, give you a future and hope. Y'all know that? What we, what we fail to read is continue to read after that. You read in verse 13 and he says this, but you will, here's your part though. You will, you will seek me and you will come on. Anybody play hide and go seek. Okay. God's saying, Hey, I hide, you seek, you find, you'll find me when but only when you seek me with, y'all ever played hide and go seek with you, you were the hider, they were the seeker and they quit after like 10 seconds. 
and you were stuck hiding for 17 minutes in a hot closet. Y'all ever been in there? Okay. <laughs> so that's how my boys play. They're dirty. They're dirty. Dad, go hide. <laughs> They're like, hey, we're going to play a video game. All right. This scripture is telling us that when we seek God with all of our heart, we're going to find him. So here's the question. Ready? Question is this. All of us are seeking a kingdom, by the way. All of us are. We're all seeking a kingdom. Question is, whose? Is it thy kingdom or is it my kingdom? All of us are seeking a kingdom right now. You are seeking your kingdom. You are either trying to build God's kingdom or you are trying to build your kingdom. I'm just here today to tell you there is only one king and one kingdom that rules and yours will not be it. Neither will mine. So, so if you want to find God, you have to search him with all your heart and say, God, not about my kingdom, but your, your kingdom, thy kingdom, thy will be done. So seek. All right, let me give you number two. Seek first. Keeping it simple here. Seek first. Now I'm going to say this, and for some of you, you, you may agree or disagree, but it's okay for you to be wrong. Christianity, Christianity is not a belief system. It's a priority system. It's not a belief system. It's pri- there are a ton of people that say they believe in God and the Bible says they'll get to heaven and God will say, I never knew you. And the reason is not because they didn't believe, it's because Jesus was not on their priority. They had, they had Christian in name and name only. Christianity is about a priority system. When Jesus comes in, he takes over. He takes over. It's like when dad comes home. When dad comes home, the remote takes over, okay? There's, there's just, uh, there is a thing that happens because he is the king, he is the ruler, he is the Lord. These are all descriptions that God uses. We love Jesus as our best friend. We love Jesus as our blesser. We love Jesus as our healer. We love Jesus as our counselor. Many of us do not love Jesus as our Lord. We love him as our savior, but we don't love him as our master, but how many know Christianity is when he is now the master, I step off of the throne and I put him in his rightful place on the throne and I say, God, I will seek you first. You are first above everything. Above what I want, you are first. Above what I want to do, you are first. Above anything that's inside of me that wants to put me first, you are first. Are y'all with me? And marriage only works whenever you put God first. Relationships only work when you put God first. Finances only work whenever you put God first. All these things work when you put him first. And when you don't put him first there's chaos and some of your lives are in chaos right now because you have other things that are priority and God's not and you want God to bless it but he can't bless it unless he's in charge of it I'm preaching way better than you are responding in this place but that's okay because I'm just trying to honor God and so ultimately whatever is first in your life influences your life whatever's first in your life What we do first matters because what you do first has the power to bless the rest. It's the reason why hopefully many of you come to church on a Sunday because you give God the beginning of your Sunday, you rest in him. Why? So that he can bless the rest of your week. Sets the tone. It's the reason why we spend time hopefully with God in the morning before you really do anything, before you get on social media, before you go go respond to an email, before you go to work, before you go do anything. You spend time in God's presence because if you do that first, how many know it blesses the rest of the day? 
It's the reason why we give God our first, our, our 10%. We, we give to him, not because we have to, but because we desire to, because in doing that, we give him our first. If I, and if I don't prioritize my life, watch this, someone else will. How many know your kids will? Your job will. There are some things at your job you'll have to say no. There are some things that you'll have to tell people no because you have priorities. My priorities dictate my life. So let me, let me put it this way. Success is never accidental. It's intentional and habitual. So you want to be successful in life, in any area of your life. You want to be successful in your relationship with God. It can't be accidental. It has to be intentional and habitual. You want to be successful in your finances. It has to be intentional and habitual. You want to be successful in your marriage. How I many know marriage takes work? If you just leave it alone, you're like, I, you know, I wooed her. I got her. We're good. How I many know you leave a garden undone, you get weeds. You can't leave it alone. How I many know you still got to be intentional? Trust me, I know. We did the garden life during COVID. It wasn't cool for Lindsay. What my life, it was her life. But she had to be intentional. She had to be habitual. She had to go water it. She had to go continue to do things for it. And so the same is true for us. We have to seek first. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 said this about our finances. He says, the purpose of tithing, watch this. The purpose of tithing is not to give to God because he needs money. The purpose to tithing is because it teaches you to always put God in first place. It's, it's, it's every time I give, I'm, I'm, I'm reminding myself that I'm not in control. I'm reminding myself that God's got this. And it's the weirdest thing. I give God 10% and then God takes care of me. Yes. Or I can hold on to all of it and not have any of that. So this is all a part of seeking first. The first things in our life are critical. And this is critical for us because, watch this, for many of us, this isn't a schedule thing. This is a heart thing. You not putting God first has not, it's not because you're busy. It's because it's a heart thing and you haven't made priority for it. Preach. Preach, preach. I know, it's, I, it's, I'm kind of up in the grill now. But it, it's, we can say we're busy, but it's, it's crazy, though, that even in the busyness, we can find times to do the things that we love. We have more time than we think. We have more energy than we think. We just have got the priorities in the wrong place. So we need to seek. We need to seek first. And here's the last one. We need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yet again, like I said, we'll unpack this way more in the, in the weeks to come. But, but Jesus didn't say we seek first his church. He didn't say we seek first religion. He didn't say we seek first some rituals. He didn't say we seek first any of those customs and activities. He said, no, no, no. Jesus didn't come to establish religion. Jesus came to establish relationship. And he said, we're going to seek first a person. We're going to seek first Jesus and his kingdom and the king. A king, a kingdom is a king who has influence over his people and he uses his people to make his kingdom known, kingdom values. This is his kingdom. But his righteousness is the right standing with God. God, that I want to be in right standing with God. I want to be more like God. Come on, how many want to be more like Jesus? Like, I want to respond more like Jesus. I want to live more like Jesus. I want to serve more like Jesus. I want to have an attitude like Jesus. I want to have, y'all, are y'all with me today? I want to forgive like Jesus. I want to, 
Okay, so I got to seek first his kingdom, wanting his rule and reign in my life, and I want to seek first his righteousness in my life. I want to be a man of righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and I'm done. We're, we're finished. Matthew 5, verse 6, this is Jesus as well. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Blessed are those, everybody help me with this, blessed are those who hunger, hunger and for for righteousness. There's that word again. For they will be for they would be filled. They will be filled. This is good. This is good. So, so Saturday, Lindsay and I fly in from Colorado. Storm hits on Friday. Power's out everywhere around here. Land in Houston on Saturday. Drop her off in Houston. I pick up my mom and my grandmother. They live in Lafayette. They got power. So they're like, we're ready to go back. So I said, okay, y'all can come back with me. I'm going to go back, check on our house, check on our church, you know, just see what needs to happen. So we drive back Saturday night. I get into... Jennings late, it's probably 8.30, 9 o'clock. No power anywhere, and I'm starving. I should have gotten food way earlier, but you learn the lesson. So I, I, man, I, so I was like, man, I gotta find food somewhere. I almost went Cajun and went hunting, but I didn't, because I'm not that good. So I went hunting um, for Walgreens, and Walgreens was the only place that was open. And so I, I had a Walgreens dinner, which included trail mix, <laughs> beef jerky, Dr. Pepper, of course, it's essential, and, and peanut butter M&Ms. <laughs> and so Lindsay calls me the next day. She's like, what did you eat last night? I was like, I had a Walgreens dinner. It was delicious. Let me just tell you. Uh, high in fats and sugars. So it, 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 it was able to tide me over for the night because I was hungry and thirsty, I would eat anything at that time. And, and I got filled temporarily. But that next morning, I was so, I was so hungry for something really of substance. And I, and I say all that because we live in a broken society right now that is so hungry and thirsty for peace, so hungry and thirsty for, for, for hope, so hungry and thirsty for things that will satisfy them. The problem is though, is that they're, they're, they're selling out for Walgreens substitutes for life. So they're, they're shacking up with people that meet that hunger and thirst for approval when it only satisfies for a little bit, but it will never fill. It will never fill. It will never fill. Drugs and alcohol will never fill. You can binge watch Netflix all day long so you can just escape from everything that's going on. But as soon as you click out, it's back there again and it never fills. But I'm here today to declare the promises of God that those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God and to know God, you will be filled. This is not, by the way, a commandment. This is an invitation. God is inviting you and I if you're hungry and thirsty for all that God has for you, you can be filled. Just make sure you're not filling up on the wrong things because it will not satisfy. And some of you right now are living a life that is not satisfying. And it could be because you have the wrong priorities, making the wrong decisions. And because of that, you're stuck in a place still feeling empty. Jesus satisfies. He satisfies. And the Bible says, if I'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to me. They'll be given to me. So Father, tonight, today, in this moment, I pray for your people. I pray for those that are here in this room and those who are watching online right now. 
who, if they were honest, would just say, I, I'm not satisfied. I have given my, my life, or maybe even a season of my life now, to the wrong priorities, to the wrong things. I have been busy, but I haven't been effective. I, I have I've given time and energy to things that I know I'll never get back. And I pray today for those that are in this house right now that you would open their eyes right now, open their eyes and open their hearts to realize that there is more to life than what Maslow says we should focus on, what this world says we should be focused on, that God, that, that you actually want us to live with purpose first, significance first, honoring you first. And in doing that, your word says, all these things will be added unto us. So Holy Spirit, right now, speak to your people. Thank you. Thank you that right now you're opening up our eyes to see this. With everybody not looking around, just this moment with you and the Holy Spirit, I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit right now, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me? And I love this because when we ask this question, he, he begins to speak to us and he, he begins to reveal things in our hearts right now that he's maybe been trying to tell you for a while. Not in a condemning way, but maybe there's some conviction there that you've been living your life, your priorities have been out of whack. Maybe your marriage right now is failing, but if you're honest, it's because priorities have been in the wrong place. Maybe the finances or maybe emotionally or maybe some relationships. And God hasn't been in the midst of that. And you've been asking God to bless it. You've been asking God to help you, but truth be told, you just want him to come fix it so you can go back to doing what you wanted to do. If you're here in this room, you say, man, I, I need to put Jesus first. I know I need to put Jesus first. If that's you all across this room, I want you just to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Josh, you're speaking to me right now. God is speaking to me. Come on, hands going up all across this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, hands everywhere. If you're online right now, our, our team wants to pray with you as well. Just that's me, that's me. I, I wanna just pray with you. Father, I pray for those that just raise their hand right now, just identifying, uh, we need to put you first. We need to put you first. We repent today of putting ourselves first, my kingdom over thy kingdom. Today, that changes. Today, that changes. God, we, we step off of the throne of our own life and we put you as our creator back on the throne. We say, God, have your way. You are our Lord. You are our master. God, you dictate how we do our life. You dictate the decisions that we make because we put you first and foremost. God, I pray for every person that's here today, God, that has, um, that has recognized that. I thank you for your grace and your strength for us to begin to uh, realign things in the right places, to put you in the place that you need to be and to begin to take other things and put them in the right places. I pray for those that are in this room that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, that you will fill them fill them, fill them, fill them with something that is so satisfying, fill them with the things that they have longed for. Pray that over them today. If you're here in this room and you would be honest and you would say you have been living your life as the king of your own life, Jesus came to take back his kingdom. And that begins with him coming and taking his rightful place in our lives. Sin is what breaks us off from our relationship with God. And it really puts us back in that throne spot. 
The Bible says that a man is to be born again. And really, like we said, it's not a belief system. It's a priority system. It's putting him back in his rightful place. And that is a daily decision that we make every day. But today, maybe if you've never made that decision to give him your sins, your shame, your guilt, and let him, because of what he did on the cross, take all of that. He loves you so much. Today, you can walk out of here not only forgiven, but you can walk out of here with a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all. And I want you to walk out with that. And if you've never prayed to ask Jesus to come and be your Lord and Savior, I wanna pray for you today. And if that's you, just would you just shoot your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor Josh, that's me. I wanna pray. I wanna pray for that. Thank you. Y'all two right there. Anybody else? Over here. Thank you. Anybody else? If you're online, thank you in the back. Thank y'all so much. We're gonna pray this together with you. Come on, OSC fan. Would you just pray this with me? Say, dear Lord Jesus, Thank you for coming and living a life I couldn't live and dying a death that I deserve to die. You took my sin and my shame and my guilt. Thank you for being my Lord. I repent of my sins. I repent of my selfishness. Today, take your rightful place. I will follow you from this moment forward. Heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, OSC family, let's celebrate today.